officially be a part of the family here at Grace Church. Uh, my wife and I are excited about being here, and I'm honored to be able to uh, be the co-lead pastor here at Grace Church. Uh, it has uh, been a great, great joy. Uh, y'all would have thought uh, my first day I would have gotten here and got acclimated, uh, but as soon as I got in, uh, Pastor Ray, we got to work, and so uh, it was exciting. Pastor Ray uh, gave me a tour of Shillington and uh, Reading. We went up to the I'm going to mess this word up, pagoda, pagoda, okay, pagoda. I'm scared of heights already, so when I got up there and I saw that, I was, I was afraid, but it was so beautiful, it was so beautiful to see all out of Reading and just see uh, that the harvest is plentiful and to see what God is going to do, and so uh, my wife and I, we're excited to be here, uh, be in part, and so my parents and my sister came all the way from Maryland to be with us. Can y'all give God praise for my family? Came in support on our first day, and so we're, we're excited. We're going to go right into the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to read out of the New Living Translation, um, and I believe it's also on the screen, 1 Kings chapter 17. And as I've been praying and asking God what to share on my first Sunday, I believe this is the word that he wanted me to share with you. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting here at verse 8, and it reads, Then the word of the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Seraphath, near the city of Sinan. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he, so he went to Seraphath, and as he arrived at the gate of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he called to her, Would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I do not have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, do not fear. But Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go ahead and do what you have said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and a little oil, olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Verse 15, so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the container, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is active and alive. God, we ask God that you will speak to our hearts and our minds. God, that someone be saved, healed, delivered, and set free. God, give us ears for me, hear what you're going to say to us. And Father, I ask God that you anoint me afresh. It's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to tag this text with this subject, Obey the Ridiculous expect the miraculous. Obey the ridiculous, expect the miraculous. Everyone say, obey the ridiculous, expect the miraculous. 
You know, I'm reminded, I reminded as my wife and I were preparing for our son to come, uh, I remember uh, during this time as we're, we're, we're actually in the process of trying to find our, our babysitter or our daycare where we're going to put our child. And so I remember when my parents uh, put me in daycare and, uh, and I remember my babysitter used to stress Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. She used to say, children obey. Matter of fact, she actually got specific with me. She said, Rodney, you need to obey the parents of the Lord. You need to obey them and do what they said do. Because when you obey them, it will bring God's promises in your life. I I reminded every time I hear that scripture, I recognize that there was a reward for obeying your parents. But but as I got a little older, I had chores in the home. I had chores, and my job was to clean my room and help my sister wash the dishes, and I always had to take out the trash. And and whenever I completed my chores, there was always an incentive uh, for the compensate. I mean, for the uh, completion of my chores. And so I will always do my chores, and then afterwards I will get what an allowance. And so I thought I was going to be really rich, and so I kept on doing my chores, and I got my allowance. And as I got a little older. Older, around 15 and 16, I found myself doing my chores, but I started to see that there was no allowance. Y'all know what happened. Uh, I decided one day I'm not going to do my chores. And, and y'all know the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Trust me, I was not spoiled that day. Uh, I, I got a spank and I got in trouble. And so, so, so I went down the street. My grandfather lived down the street. And I went to my grandfather and I said, granddaddy, you know, your son beat me. And he said, uh, he said why did he do that? I said, because he did not pay me. So therefore, I did not do my chores. He said, well, Rodney, you should should have done that. Uh, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done what you were supposed to do. Uh, the reality is uh, because you always will get an incentive. It may not be in the form you would like it to be in, but you always get it. I said, how are you saying that? He said, you have food on your table. You have clothes on your back. You're going to a private school. He said, you're being compensated, but not in the form you expected it to be in. I want to tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that I believe that when we obey God, it sure enough will bring a blessing in our lives. As, as, as we look at our text today, we discover that the Lord is commanding this prophet by the name of Elijah to go uh, to the village of Seraphath. He is hungry. He is tired. And, and he said, I want you to go there and I'm going to have a widow that's going to provide for you. And you must understand here that this widow is, is gathering a couple of sticks and, and, and he calls to her and said, can you please bring me a cup of water? And as she was going to get the cup of water, he said, can you bring me a little uh, bread as you're going to get it? She said, I don't have bread, but just a handful of flour and a little jar of oil. You know, must understand during this time of our text, widows were exceptionally poor. And she said, I don't have any bread, but just a little jar of oil and a little hand of flour. But the, but the first thing I see within this text, the first thing I, I see within the, in this text is that there is a ridiculous command. Someone shout ridiculous command. Normally when one uses the word ridiculous, you think of something silly or a type of foolish gesture. Webster defines ridiculous as something absurd, outrageous, unbelievable, and laughable. But but here we see something ridiculous. The prophet asks the widow for some bread, but yet he sees her condition. You see, sometimes God will often ask us to do some things we think we cannot do or what people limit us to do. 
That this has to be one of the most ridiculous requests in this chapter because this woman was broken financially, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. She was hungry. She only had enough for her and her son to eat, after which they expected to die from starvation. But, but what I did not understand, what I did not understand is that when the prophet asked for water, she was willing to get what she had available to give. Let me say that one more time. When the prophet asked for, for, for water, she was willing to get what she had available to give. But when the prophet asked the widow for some bread, she said, I don't have any bread. I only have a little flour and a little oil, which is actually the main ingredient for bread. And she said, I don't have any bread, but I can get you some water. She said, I only have enough for myself and my son, and we're going to eat and we're going to die. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that if you have a small amount that seems just enough, God can bless it and multiply it. That, let me say that one more time. I said, if you have a small amount that seems just enough, God can bless it and multiply it. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, Jesus was ministering to a crowd of over 5,000 people. Here comes a little boy who has two fish and five loaves of bread, and Jesus blesses it and blesses it. And, and the disciples said, Jesus, hold on, we only have enough for a few people, not 5,000. Jesus blessed what people thought was just enough and made it more than enough. I come to tell someone, God can take your just enough and make it more than enough only when you give it to Jesus. He was able to take two fish and five loaves of bread and turn it into a smorgasbord. He was able to do that, and he can do it for your life too. You know, you know here we, we hear the, women, the, the woman complaining of not having enough to give the prophet, but in verse 13, the prophet says, fear not. I, I didn't understand this, Pastor Ray, because I, I believe this woman should fear. I'm a very sympathetic person. She should fear. She has a right to fear. She's tired. She's hungry. She's poor. She's about to die. She should fear. But as I was studying for this text, the Lord said the reason why she should not fear is because of verse 8, which says, then the word of the Lord came. In verse 13, the text says, fear not. But in verse 8, it says, then the word of the Lord came. The reason why we should not fear, the reason why this woman should not fear, because before the prophet even gave her the command, he said, the word of the Lord's already got you covered. I come to tell you today, you don't have to worry about your situation. God says, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning. I am the end. I'm the first and the last. If I said it, it's going to come to pass. What do you mean, Rodney? The Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. If he said it, that settles it. You don't have to worry about it because he said, I'm not a man that I should lie. So, so the prophet says, fear not after hearing the widow's reason why she could not do what he asked of her. But now he puts a, 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 a twist to this request. The first time he said, can you uh, bring me something? He said, give me my first portion. I want it. And then the text indicates that she didn't go anywhere. We understand that, that this text shows us that this was the first fruit offering that she was going to need to give. But what I come to understand, that one of our major impediments to receiving a ridiculous blessing or miracle is that sometimes we try to make sense of what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes we as people want to make certain that when God gives us a command, that we're able to understand it. 
But if understanding everything is your prerequisite for obeying the Lord, you might as well quit right now because our vision is obstructed because of the placement of this world. And because of that, we're not going to understand everything, but we must understand that God will do what he said he's going to do. So, 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 so not, only, not only do we see that there is a ridiculous command, but number two, we see that there is a ridiculous response in obedience. Everybody shout obedience. Obedience. Obedience is the willing submission and in order and instructions of one in authority. To obey God simply means I have to obey his statutes and his commandments. In order for us to follow God's purpose for our life, we have to obey him. We have to do what he says do. Because I understand it's not hard to obey God because from creation we were designed to obey him. But the question is, are we willing to obey him? You may say, well, well Pastor Rodney, well, what are some reasons why it's difficult for us to obey God? Well, can I give you to you? The first reason why it may seem difficult for us to obey God is because we may have some unsurrendered areas in our life that clashes with the Word of God. We may say, I'm, I, God, I'm giving you right over this area, but I'm not going to give you right over this area. Okay, let me break it down. Uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, living by myself in the bachelor pad, uh, I, I, had, I had students come over. I worked at Lancaster Bible College. I would have students uh, come over in my house and hang out. And, and whenever I have them come over my house, before I, they come in, I make sure my house is clean. But there's one room in my entire house at that time that was called the junk room. That means you don't go in that room. Room. So, so, so I, I invite the guys over and I say, you can have full reign over the whole house, but there's one room you can't go in and that room is closed. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we say that to God, God, you can come in my life, you can have access, but you can't go in this room. You can't go in this room. God says, I don't want some of you. God says, I want all of you. It, it may seem difficult for us to obey God when our obedience puts us at odds with people we believe we need acceptance and approval from. Many times, approval and acceptance from others sometimes is more important to us than obeying God. And sometimes it can get to the degree that we believe we need acceptance and approval from people, that we'll compromise our obedience to God to get acceptance and approval from people who sometimes really don't even care about us. It, it may seem difficult for us to obey God where we have low tolerance for short-term discomfort. You know, many times obeying God sometimes can lead to short-term discomfort because the Bible says, for these light afflictions, which is yet before a moment, are working so exceeding an eternal weight of glory. It may seem difficult for us to obey God when we entertain postponement as an acceptable option. In other words, we say, I'm going to get around to obeying God one of these days, that sometimes it means I'm pacifying my mind, which sometimes can put us in a state of disobedience. But now in verse 13, the prophet repeats himself, but he puts a twist to it. The first time he said, bring me something. He said, bring me some bread. Then the text indicates that she didn't go anywhere. The second time he said, bring me, some, bring me a cake. He said, give me the first slice. Then you can have a slice. Then the text indicates that she went. Y'all missed it right there. Let me say it again. The first time he said, bring me, bring me some bread. He said, bring the bread for me. Then the text indicates that she didn't go anywhere. The second time, he said, go bake me a cake, give me the first slice, then you can have a slice. Then the text indicates that she went. 
Isn't it amazing that sometimes we're willing to obey God when we think we're getting a piece of what we thought would get us satisfaction, but the truth of the matter is it only gave us temporary fulfillment? The, the text says that she went. She didn't go complaining, but she went in faith. You see, responding in obedience is simply responding in faith because sometimes God will ask us to do some things that our intellectual mind cannot comprehend or do something that we cannot see. The Bible tells us now faith is a substance for things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing you can make it even in this pandemic. Faith is believing you can make it even in your most distressing circumstances because of your reliance on God. Faith is the evidence of what God will do in your life. Faith is active. It moves forward and it becomes the proof of what God is doing. So in order for us to please God with our obedience, we must understand that faith is the crucial element to pleasing the Lord. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And one of the greatest challenges of this Christian faith is learn to live a life without requiring signs in order to move forward. It pleases God seeing us going through a situation, but no matter what we stay with, that we will still stay connected to God. It pleases God seeing us going through a situation, but we say, God, I will look up to the hills from which cometh my help, because all my help comes from you. Because anybody can trust God when things are going the way you want it to go. But can you trust God when everything around you is contradicting on how you want it to turn out? So so my question to you today is, can you be faithful to God when all you have is one word from the Lord? Let me ask you that one more time. Can you be faithful to God when all you have is one word from God? You see, the only people who need signs are people who don't have faith. Because when you have faith, hearing is just enough. When God makes you a promise, God does not need to give you immediate evidence because evidence is not needed when you have faith because faith is the evidence of things not seen. He's asking us to trust him. He's asking us to obey him. Well, you may say, Rodney, how in the world can I obey God consistently? Well, in order for us to obey God consistently, it requires bold acts of obedience without complete understanding. Let me say that one more time. It requires bold acts of obedience without complete understanding. In other words, I have to be willing to trust God knows what's best for me. So if he tells me to jump, I got to get ready to jump. Because God is not obligated to show me where he's leading me, even though he knows. And he gives us information on a need-to-know basis. And we need to be satisfied with what he gives us. We don't need to know all the details of how everything is going to turn out. We just need to know what step to take next. Because once we take that step, God is then obligated to show us the next step. But he's not obligated to show us the next step until we walk in the knowledge of what he's already told us. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Okay, let me break it down a little bit more. The Bible tells us in John chapter 9, there was a muddy miracle. And there, there's this blind man and Jesus spits in some mud and puts it on a blind man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Y'all, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. He, he spits in some mud and puts it on the blind man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. 
Okay, let me go on this side. There's somebody over here probably might get it. Uh, he, 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 he spits in the mud and, and puts it on the blind man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, let me say it one more time. He, Jesus spits in the mud and puts the mud on a man's eyes that cannot see and tells him to wash in a pool he cannot see. And the Bible says he comes back seeing. Don't you know that is ridiculous? If you obey the ridiculous, you can expect the miraculous. So, so after we see that there is the ridiculous command, there is a ridiculous response in obedience. But lastly, we see the ridiculous miracle. I, I can preach to you all day, but I, I come to tell you that if you obey the ridiculous, you can expect the miraculous. I, I, I remember I was, I was going to get ready to go to have a test. And, and as I was thinking about my tests when I was in seminary, I, I thought about this particular text because I believe the Lord was going to bless this woman. But he wanted to see if she was willing to trust God in the midst of what she was going through. You, you may say a test. Yes, God does not tempt his people, but God will sure enough give you a test. You see, when I was in seminary, I had to take this test. And as I, I studied for the test, I prepared for the test. And, and when I sat down to take the test, y'all, I, I, I was shaking. I was nervous. And I, I, I just heard this small, small, still voice of the Holy Spirit and say, Rodney, you don't have to worry about the test because a test is just a survey of what, I, what you already know. Let me say that one more time. A test is just a survey of what you already know. A test is just to see if you're ready to go to the next level. I come to tell you something, my brothers and sisters, the thing that you've been going through, the tests that you've been going through, James tells us that we can count it all joy because it's going to produce something in our lives. You may say, right now, I don't, I don't understand this. Obey the ridiculous, expect the miraculous. I, I don't see that being theologically correct. Well, let's look at the Bible. There was a man by the name of Noah. The Bible says that there was, a, uh, there was no rain in the land. And he tells this man by the name of Noah, he says, I need you to build an ark because it's getting ready to be rain. He builds this ark that seems ridiculous, but he obeyed the ridiculous and he got the miraculous. Here's a man by the name of Abraham and his wife named Sarah. He said, you're going to have a child from your withered old bodies. And that, that sounds ridiculous, but they obeyed the ridiculous and they got the miraculous. Here's a lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And the disciples tell him to stand up in the name of Jesus. Hold on, stand up? That's ridiculous. But he stood up and obeyed the ridiculous and he got the miraculous. He, here, here's Jesus at a wedding and he tells the disciples, he said, please bring me some water. They, they, they said, Jesus, that's ridiculous. But they obeyed the ridiculous and they got the miraculous. Here's Peter. Here, here's Peter. Jesus tells him to step out of the boat and walk on water. That sounds ridiculous. But if you obey the ridiculous, expect the miraculous. Can I give you a personal one? I'm leaving one pastorate to come and accepting another pastorate in the midst of a pandemic. That seems ridiculous. But if you obey the ridiculous, you can expect the miraculous. He, ho, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's an African-American young preacher who's getting ready to co-pastor with a white preacher in the midst of this world. That's ridiculous in this world. But if you obey the ridiculous, you can expect the miraculous. If you obey the ridiculous, you can expect the miraculous. And God can do great and mighty things in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you 
for your word. We thank you that your word is active, it's alive. And God, we know that your word won't return it to your void, but will accomplish that which you have set it to do. And so, Father, we stand sure obeying you. So in this moment, God, increase our faith that we may live it out, that we may hear your voice, God, that we may get in your word and obey what you have said. And God, we know that when we trust you, God, you will move heaven and earth and bring us that which we've been standing in need of. And so, Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. With every eye closed, with every eye closed, with every eye closed, there may be someone here today, there may be somebody here today who does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ is the best thing that can ever happen to you. And Jesus is the one that can turn your life around. Jesus said, it's not your love for me, but it's my love for you that I sent my son to die on the cross for you, that you might have life and have it that more abundantly. And so if you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. I want you to pray this prayer and accept Jesus Christ in your life. And I guarantee you, he will change your life. He said, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. If we can all pray this prayer together. Father, I come in the name of Jesus, in need of Jesus. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of Jesus. Today, I come needing Jesus. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. Today, I believe I'm saved. I'm saved. Amen. Can we give God praise? Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to come and talk with you and talk about the next step in your journey with Jesus Christ. God bless you.